0: Hi, and welcome to the Life Podcast, where we discuss the value and sanctity of life through a biblical lens as it starts in our communities, not in our government. I am your host, Katherine Lee, writer and doula at SimpleNaturalMama.com. Make sure you never miss an episode by pushing the subscribe button. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and I greatly appreciate you. Now, let's get started. This is episode two, The Veil Behind the Conversation. On January 22nd, 1984, President Ronald Reagan issued a presidential proclamation designating the third Sunday of January as the National Sanctity of Human Life Day. In fact, one of Reagan's upstanding quotes in his pregnancy is this, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. This proclamation was intentionally placed near the calendar date of the Supreme Court's previous decision on Roe v. Wade. In January of 1973, just as the March for Life, which was mentioned in episode one, pastors, churches, and life organizations across the United States use this day to bring awareness to the attacks that are daily waged against human life through the abortion industry. Over the past 40 years, since 1980, one and a half billion abortions have occurred in the world. More recent and focused statistics from the All-American Life League reflect that in the year 2017, at the very least, an estimated 862,000 abortions were provided in clinical settings in the United States. This comes out to over 2,300 abortions per day, 98 abortions per hour, and one abortion every 96 seconds. From the time you selected this podcast to listen to until when I finished this very sentence, another abortion has been committed in the United States. A human life made in the image of God, just gone. Past the statistics and aside from proclamations which designate a specific day of the year to specific cause or remembrance, one place to see clearly where the culture stands is to look at legislation. A brief history of American law as it concerns abortion is shocking, to say the least. Especially with recent political and cultural events, including the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one who greatly influenced abortion legislation, the Supreme Court case in 1973 titled Roe v. Wade is fresh in our minds. A ruling in which the court states that the Constitution allows a woman to choose an abortion without excessive government restriction. Yet yeah, her successor, Amy Coney Barrett, unashamedly values life as a lawyer and jurist who serves as an associate justice of the Supreme Court as of October 2020. No matter where you stand when it comes to partisan politics and the way in which this past year of 2020 has played out, our focus here is a legislation which is relevant to the conversation surrounding the sanctity and value of life in the womb of human life in our everyday While we don't know what will come, we can suspect that some significant changes will continue which seek to value life in all its forms, and sometimes the opposite effect. For instance, even in the past few years, there has been much of this change. Since states hold more power, a state-by-state look is necessary, as abortion law is actually not regulated at large federally. Perhaps the most shocking was the introduction of the Reproductive Health Act in January 2019 in New York State. This law expanded abortion rights and eliminated many restrictions, allowing abortion up until birth at full term, typically considered 38 weeks in pregnancy. This is well past the point of viability outside a womb, commonly seen as 24 weeks along, when a baby could be born safely and placed in a NICU incubator. This law is completely ignorant of this alternative, instead stating that an abortion, death, a gestation in which the child could live if delivered at a different location, a hospital versus an abortion clinic, is up to the discretion of the mother. Yet on the other side of the coin, in May 2019, the state of Georgia signed the heartbeat bill, which bans abortion once the fetal heartbeat can be detected. The states of Ohio, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, and Louisiana followed, among others. It's important to say here that a baby's heart begins to beat at just 28 days since fertilization, the same time at which a pregnancy can be confirmed by a home hormone urine test, commonly recognized as four to six weeks along in pregnancy. What a stark contrast between New York and Georgia. Also in May of that year, Alabama took a stand against abortion and passed the most restrictive anti-abortion law known, making abortion illegal during all stages of pregnancy. This criminalizes doctors who perform abortions, facing up to 99 years in prison. There are no known exceptions. Looking back through history, the criminalization of abortion has existed in different capacities. This isn't the first time. Now let's examine Texas abortion law history more extensively, since that is where I live. In 1854, a law was passed which made anyone performing abortion, except in cases of preserving the mother's life, a criminal offense punishable by two to five years in prison. Anyone assisting in a proposed medical abortion could also be charged. By the year 1900, abortion was fully illegal, with a therapeutic exception in place by the year 1950. Many legal cases for abortion in Texas have resulted in going all the way to the Supreme Court, such as the most famous Roe v. Wade in 1973. In 1997, a law passed stating that any employee in a facility that does abortions could refuse to work in the procedure. It is also now a requirement for a woman undergoing an abortion to have an ultrasound and listen to a description of the baby's gestation that she was about to abort. In the early 2000s, the state passed a parental notification law for minor women, read children, as defined as a person under the age of 18 who is seeking an abortion. In 2007, Texas passed a mandatory ultrasound bill, then started funding women's reproductive health programs. There were legal attempts to ban abortion in places that received state funding. By 2009, the legislature was actively trying to defund Planned Parenthood. By 2013, the heartbeat ban bill was signed into state law by the state senate. Most recently, on September first, 2020, state-directed counseling and a 24-hour notice, along with an ultrasound, was signed into effect for any woman seeking an abortion. This doesn't even skim the surface. It's only a sample of one state in the nation. I'd encourage you to look up the abortion-related legislation in your own state or country. Our culture screams women's rights and the power of choice, yet forgets, fails to mention, vehemently denies, concocts narratives about the child, a future woman or man in the womb, about to lose his or her own rights. And this is where the lie begins. I'll end this episode with a quote by the famous Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a beloved minister and social activist who spoke out in the civil rights movement over 70 to 60 years ago until his assassination. He's most famous for his I Have a Dream speech, which was delivered in 1963 in Washington, D.C. How can the dream survive if we murder the children? Every aborted baby is like a slave in the womb of his or her mother. The mother decides his or her fate. For more on this specific topic and speech, please visit civilrightsfortheunborn.org, where you can also find out more about the book by Dr. Alveda C. King, the niece of Dr. MLK Jr. If you like this episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and tell your friends. If you long to take this conversation further, head to simplenaturalmama.com Instagram to download the tangible life-affirming resources, a packet of over 30 accessible cards, which serve as a reminder, complete with scripture references, prayers, and other tangible resources stemming from the content of this podcast and the book which it came from. You can also find me on Instagram at Katherine Lee Writes. Let's continue to learn how to get involved and promote a culture which affirms life, cares for our most vulnerable, and comes alongside those in crisis and in need. Join me next week as we further uncover the veil behind the conversation, namely the science of life and faith.